You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Amen and amen and amen. Man, what an amazing testament to God's faithfulness. Right, we. I don't want you to think that you're here because of Impact Church, man. We are not focusing on Impact Church this morning. We're focusing on the faithfulness of God in this place. We would not be here if it wasn't for the faithfulness of God. And we say this all the time because it's true, but it's always been about Him. It always will be about Him. He is the reason that we celebrate in this place. And what we're going to do just very briefly before we jump back into our shift series, I want to highlight some of the things that God has done over the first three years at Impact Church. And the, the most important thing that we celebrate is when someone says yes to Jesus. And I want you to see that so far in three years, we've had 19 people who have said yes to Jesus. We've had 14 people who have taken their next step of baptism. Eight children have been dedicated to God. We've had multiple marriages that have been strengthened and we've had multiple people that have recommitted their lives to follow Jesus. And we celebrate that life change. And it's not because of Impact Church. I can't save anybody. You can't save anybody. It's because of the power of the Spirit. It's all about Jesus. It always has been and it always will be. We've, we've had some community impact that I want to share with you. We've given, uh, we've given away over 500 Saturday sacks and what Saturday sacks are just they're sacks of food that we give to this school North Harlem Elementary School and it's for kids and families that uh, they need they need the help and we've been able to to partner with them every year since we launched this church to provide these bags every single week for these kids we've we fed around a hundred people at our Thanksgiving community dinner we filled 20 Christmas boxes for fishes and loaves this year or this past year, we've raised, we raised over $1,000 for a house fire, and they don't go to our church. And this is, this is what I want you to know, that it's, it's really not about us. There was someone in our community that needed some help, and we came together, you came together as the body of Christ, and we helped raise money for this family that needed it. We paid off over $1,500 in lunch accounts from this school for the families that can't afford to pay for their kids' lunch because we've been blessed by your abundant generosity. God is using that to impact a community. We've given over 60 book bags away, tons of school supplies. We did like 49 haircuts for free this past year. We've had Saturday serve days where we've picked up trash around the city, where we go to Fishes and Loaves and help get their, their yards looking decent, their shelves on the inside organized, we, we've done yard work for people that couldn't do it themselves because of your generosity and because you say yes to engaging in the mission, we've been able to see a kingdom difference in this community. We give away teacher supplies every year for teachers so they don't have to spend their own money to, to finish up the school year. And if you're a teacher or know a teacher, you know that they have to buy their own supplies at some point in the school year. And we want to help with that. And we've been able... To do that and we've done a Harlem hopping the last two years and it's been amazing we've had about 400 people roll through for both of those 
Harlem Hopping events, and those are people that we get to share the gospel with. It's people that we get to build relationships with. It's people who are hurting and broken, and they get to see Jesus in us. And then we have some ministry partners, and we've been partnering with these for the last three years. We have Anchor Church, which is a church plant in Evans, and Pastor Brandon has been here. He's led worship for us once. He's preached for us once. We have Connect Hope, which is just a ministry that connects pastors and ministries together here in the CSRA. Um, FCA at Reinhardt University, we, we sponsor the, the female FCA representative at that college. And man, she sends me updates every month and they are making a huge difference on that college campus. And then Mission Next Gen, we're, we're partnering with this year, brand new ministry to focus on the next generation, which is one of our core values is to tenaciously shepherd the next generation because we believe the next generation will impact the world more than any generation before them. And then buy a tree, change a life, Oasis Church down in Hepzibah, they do this and we, we sponsor help with them every single year. And it's because of your abundant generosity. And there's many more uh, ministry partners that we partner with. And it's because you believe in the mission of making a difference for the kingdom of God. So thank you, thank you, thank you. But today, as we celebrate, as we celebrate three years, again, we're not celebrating Impact Church, we're celebrating Jesus. And if you ever, if you ever step foot in this room, and you hear all about Impact Church, Impact Church, Impact Church, and know Jesus, then you need to tell me because I messed up. Because it's not about us. It's really not. It's about what Jesus is doing in and through each and every one of us. And, and our series that we've started this year has been about this. It's been about us shifting our focus, our satisfaction, our affection. And last week we talked about shifting our homes toward Jesus. How can we engage in the mission of making a difference for the kingdom? The way we engage in the mission is shifting our entire lives toward Jesus. And then we can't help but to jump in and engage in the mission. And we're going to continue on in that series. But before we do, I, I want you to know that when we started this church, we started January 2020. And I don't know if you remember what happened in 2020, but there was a pandemic and it was global. And it, it impacted us as a new church plan. And we met here for about 11 weeks, and then they said, you got to get out. We had nowhere to go. Say, said, well, where are we go what are we going to do? We turned Andrew's garage into like a recording studio, and we just recorded services every single week, and we posted them online. And then we came back, and it was like we started all over. We had no idea what was going to happen. And God, through His faithfulness, has continued to do what only He can do. And because of that, we've seen, we've seen growth. We've seen, we've seen spiritual growth, and we've seen numerical growth. And with numerical growth comes some challenges. So I want to point out some things to you that if you would poke your head back in our Impact Kids area, there's a ton of kids back there. And that's a blessing. But when you have a ton of kids, you need some volunteers, right, to help with those kids. And I just I want to bring this up. I told Heather, who is our kids coordinator, that I would do this because it's that important. But we need about three to four more people to step up and say, yes, I will serve on the serve team for Impact Kids because we just have so many kids back there and we're shepherding them and leading them, pointing them 
to Jesus. So, man, if you're interested, if you've been thinking about that, then please see her, see Elena, and they will get you plugged in. Uh, we also need a couple for our students. When we started out um, a student ministry, we had just a few students. And I think this past Sunday night, they had 10 or 11 students. So it's grown. And because of that growth, we need volunteers. So if you're interested in doing that, see either Elena or Gerald, and they'll get you plugged in with that. Also, I'm going to throw this out, and then we're going to jump straight into the message. I know you are tired of this part. But if your student is going to summer camp, this year, they're going to Crossroads again um, at Anderson University, and your deposit's due next Sunday. So just in case you were wondering when your deposit was due, it's due uh, next Sunday, and if you don't get it turned in, you're probably getting in some trouble. Here we go. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in First Timothy, and I'm going to read one verse to you. We're going to read uh, chapter 4, verse 12, and what, we're going to, well, what I want to do is see how what this can do for us is help us to be a godly influencer. How many of you have heard the term influencer? Be honest. That's what I'm talking about. So I don't really know what an influencer is. Like I'm just, I'm not sure what that even means, but I did some research. And man, God help you if you do research on an influencer. Because these people are crazy. But here's, here's the definition. And I think this is important. Because... It's going to help set this up for us as a godly influencer. But the definition is a person or thing that influences another. Pretty simple, right? In marketing, they say this, a person with the ability to influence potential buyers of a product or service by promoting or recommending the items on social media. And they put a sentence here that says, influencers can add serious credibility to your brand. And then, this is, this is probably my favorite one. But influencers are trustworthy voices in a specific niche. Now, this is what you have to know. Is that you are an influencer whether you want to be or not. And you're either influencing people towards the world or you're influencing people towards Jesus. You don't, you don't really get to choose whether you're going to be an influencer or not because you are. You are influencing someone. And most of us are influencing multiple people. We may not have a social media account that is, you know, got however many followers they have. We're not taking pictures like hanging off a cliff and kissing our wife. All this stuff, man, these pictures will blow your mind of what these influencers do. We might not, we might not have any of that. But what we do have is we have a spouse. We have kids. We have coworkers. We have friends. We have family. We are influencing people. And we there's only two options here. We're influencing them towards Jesus or we're influencing them toward the world. And what I want us to look at this morning is how we can be a godly influencer. How can we truly influence people for the kingdom? 1 Timothy 4.12 says this. It says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. God, I pray, Lord, that you speak this morning through your spirit. God, that you change minds in this place. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Number one is this, when you're becoming a godly influencer, is we shift our speech. You shift your speech. 
Ephesians 4, Paul says this to the church in Ephesus. He says, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. Listen, this is what Paul says. He, this is what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey, don't do this bad stuff. Right? That, he doesn't stop there. What Paul says is, don't let all this, this foolish talk, this crude joking, all this stuff that's out of place, don't let it come out of your mouth. And then he says, but instead, do this. Be thankful. Give thanksgiving. So, it's, just, it's not enough just to put away the negative speech. Right? Paul says to replace it with positive and good speech. We see in Ephesians 4, still Paul, still to the church in Ephesus, says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So, Paul says, don't do this. Instead, do this. Now, I want you to think about the way that you talk. I want you to think about the way that you talk to your spouse, the way that you talk to your kids, the way that you talk to your coworkers, the way that you talk to your friends, the way that you talk to your family, the jokes that you laugh at, the jokes that you tell, the, the stuff that comes out of your mouth. And you, you could be sitting there saying, yeah, so sometimes I do good, sometimes I don't do so good, right? And I get it. Because what happens is, we're for one, we're humans, and when we get these emotions built up within us, we allow some stuff to come out. But the Bible is very clear that what comes out, it comes from somewhere, and it comes from within. So it's what's in here that's coming out. So the way that we can replace the, the bad speech with the good speech is to replace what we put into our life. And a lot of times what we put in is just filthiness all around us. And because of that, we spew that back out. We as Christians, if we want to be a godly influencer, we have to shift the way that we talk. We have to shift the jokes that we tell. We have to shift the way that we, we discipline. We have to shift the way that we uh, have disagreements. All of this matters because we are either pointing people to Jesus or pointing people to the world. And what happens is as soon as you tell someone that you're a Christ follower, the spotlight is then on you. They're watching you. They may never tell you that they're watching you, but they are watching you. And they want to see if you are really sincerely following Jesus or if you're just all talk. And the way that we live our life shows them, yeah man, so we are sincere. And our speech is an example of how we can be a godly influencer. Number two is this, shift your conduct. First Peter, verse 13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Now we saw this in the Sermon on the Mount a few months ago that Jesus says, hey, here's your homework. Go be perfect. And you're like, yeah, man, I, I can't do that. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, yeah, I know that, but you need to get to a place where you realize that you can't do it on your own and you need Him. And then we get the Holy Spirit to come and to live in us and we have the power 
of the Holy Spirit within us. And then Peter says, hey, so God's holy, you be holy. And you, man, if you're like me, you're thinking, yeah, I'm not holy. Like, I can't do it. I'm a sinful person. And this is what I would say to you, and this is what you have to know, is that, man, God imputes His righteousness onto you. Is that when Jesus came on a rescue mission for us, holy, perfect, and He died a death that we deserve to die so that we could have a life that He lived for us. And it says that He imputed His holiness, His righteousness onto us. And we see that, man, we know this, that righteousness isn't right activity, it's right standing with God. And right standing with God is through the blood of Jesus. So when we shift our conduct, we're not, we're not trying to just be perfect. No, we're trying to get more and more of Jesus. We shift our conduct to be more and more like Jesus. There's not a list of do's and don'ts that we that we're gonna we're gonna print out every day and say, man, if I if I can check these, I'm good. And as long as I don't do these things, I'm good. No, it's hey, I'm gonna focus on Jesus today. And I'm going to allow Jesus to work through his spirit in my life. And the more we yield to the spirit, the more our conduct begins to shift toward him. But man, it's hard. And this is why it's hard, because we're imperfect people. And we admit that, right? We say that here all the time. We're imperfect people taking steps of faith together to make a kingdom difference. But we're imperfect people, but what we're, what we're doing is we're engaging a perfect God. We're engaging a God who loves us, a Father who loves His kids, a Savior who came on a rescue mission for us. And the more and more and more that we get closer, right? The, the, more, the more we get like Him, the more we become like Jesus, the more our conduct shifts toward Him. Number three is the shifter love. Last week we read the, what I call the, the marriage passage of love, 1 Corinthians 4, or 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. But what I want to do this morning is I want to read the first two verses because that gets left out a lot. Because we jump straight to verse 4 and say love is patient, love is kind. And we, we saw last week that love is an action. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling that we choose to put someone else above ourselves. We saw that, but we didn't read verses 1-3. through three. And this morning, I think it's important for us. If we're going to shift our love, this is, this is why we do it. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. The truth is this, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we can do, what we can say. If it's not done in love, it doesn't matter. So we can shift our speech, we can shift our conduct, but if we don't shift the love to go along with it, then the speech and the conduct has no kingdom impact. It's, man, this is important for us to understand because love, the way that we in the Western culture have defined love, man, it's all wrong. 
It's all jacked up. Love isn't the, these, these googly eyes with one another. Love isn't that you, you just can't stop thinking about somebody. Love isn't all these emotional things. No, love is saying, I'm going to choose to put you and your needs above me and my needs. And we know love because God first loved us. And He demonstrated that love by sending Jesus on a rescue mission for us while we were still sinners. And because we as Christ followers have experienced that love, then that love overflows out of us and we begin to shift our love in a way that shows people who God is. And our influence begins to be godly instead of worldly. Number four is this, shift your faith. The faith verse in the Bible is Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And this, my friend, is where people will catch you as a Christ follower. Because before they're ever going to have faith, they're going to look at your faith in action. They're going to say, well, what do you put your confidence in? Where, where is your assurance? When things aren't going well, what do you do? Do you, do you say, man, you know what? I need a whole bottle of wine tonight because I just can't handle. That's my confidence. That's my assurance. That's pointing people away from Jesus. See, as Christ followers, I'm not telling you not to drink a glass of wine, man. I'm not preaching that right now. What I'm preaching is, what is our confidence? What do we go to? What is the assurance of our life? People want to know that. People want to see where you run when things get bad. Do you run to Jesus? And then I would ask, is that the only time you run to Jesus? Because if it's the only time, man, you're missing it all the other times. Because He's the same God in the bad and the good. He's the same God in the valley and on the mountain. What we like to do is be on the mountain and say, hey, look at me, I'm on the mountain. And then we get in the valley and we say, hey, don't look at me, I need Jesus. But no, we still need Jesus on the mountaintop. Because we didn't get there on our own. We got there because of Him and His love and His faithfulness and His power. Are you influencing people toward the world or toward Jesus? It's all about Him. It always has been. and It always will be. Number five is this. Shift your purity. Paul says in Colossians 3, and we're not going to dig too deep into this, we're doing a series uh, through the book of Colossians in about a month and a half. But I do want to read this verse. It says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. I'm going to read that part just one more time. Put to death... Therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. See, we naturally gravitate to our own selfish desires. And what we do, man, we, we start to reason with ourselves and say that, man, I know this stuff is bad. I know that, that all this, I know pornography is bad. I know that uh, looking at women like this when I'm married is bad. I know that um, having these fantasies that are just outside of my marriage are bad. I know that watching this stuff on TV is bad. Listening to this stuff, reading these books, whatever it is, we start to reason with ourselves 
and we say, but it's really not going to affect me. Or maybe I do have a problem and I'm going to wean myself off. And Paul, man, he doesn't say to wean yourself off. He says, put to death the earthly desires and the earthly ways. Wow. Not wean off. Not let's just try to, try to do this and do this. No, he says put to death. We see when, I, I don't know if you remember this part of the story, David and Goliath. Y'all remember that? Raise your hand if you, if you remember that story. Alright, cool. Great story. My favorite part of the story is not that he, he hits David and, or Goliath and he's down, whatever. My favorite part is he cuts his head off. And it's not because I'm a gruesome person. It's because of the, the imagery of that is, hey, so yeah, you knock the giant down, but don't let him get back up. Cut his head off. Put it to death. There's some things in your life that you need to put to death this morning. And if you want to be a godly influencer, there's some things in your life this morning that you need to put to death. Now, as, as we finish up this morning, I'm going to finish up with a lot of transparency for you. Because we just talked about five things that we've, we see in 1 Timothy. Again, 1 Timothy says this, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example. So be an example in these ways, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. We, we went through all those. And they're all important. If we, if we truly want to be a godly influencer, we must shift those things in our life towards Jesus. But I don't want you to think that I'm just a pastor up here and I got all this figured out myself. And that I'm, I'm great at all these things. Because the truth is that I struggle with each and every one of these things every day. And I would, I would imagine that you struggle with each and every one of these things every day. Hence the reason we say it's all about Jesus. Hence the reason we say that we're sinners in need of a Savior. And that Jesus has done everything necessary for our salvation. We struggle. And I'm not beating you down if you struggle with these things. That's not the point of this. The point of this is, hey, let's together begin to take steps of faith and shift our life toward Him. Because I need you as part of my community. And you need each other as part of your community. Maybe there's some that you struggle with more than others. Maybe your speech is, is great. Man, praise God for that. Maybe the person sitting next to you, their speech isn't as great and they need you and they need some encouragement. Don't look at them, man. That's not... You can't look over to the person beside you when I say that. Look. I want to be a godly influencer. But I can think of, of numerous times where I know that either what I said, what I did, the way that I loved, the, the faith that I had, the, the purity that I exemplified, I know that there are times where I point people away from Jesus because of the decisions and the actions and the things that I do and I say. Amen. It breaks my heart because I know how important Jesus is. And I know that the struggles that these people are going through, the hurt that they're going through, the, 
the, the pain and the brokenness and the chains. And I know that there is power in the name of Jesus. And I know if they could just say yes to Jesus, if they could just cry out to Jesus, then He will transform them. Man, and then I do something that points them away from Jesus. And I become an influencer for the world. And man, I don't want to be that. And I know that you don't want to be that either. But we want to be godly influencers. We want to make a difference. We want to have credibility for the Gospel of Jesus. And the way that we can have credibility is that we allow the Spirit to work and work and work in our lives and we shift our speech and we shift our conduct and we shift our love and we shift our faith and we shift our purity toward Jesus. And then we see how we begin to influence the people around us. Man, why why don't you talk like everybody else? Because, because of Jesus. Why don't you do all these things that everybody else does? Because of Jesus. How do you love people that are so rude and so mean? Because of Jesus. How's your confidence always, always so high? How are you always so assured that things are going to work out? Because of Jesus. Because Romans 8.28 tells me that He's working all things out. And how can you stay so pure in a, in a generation that is, is so impure? Because of Jesus. So we begin to influence people who are lost. People who are dying. We begin to influence them for Jesus. Are you influencing people for God, for the world? This is a, a question for you. You have to answer that question this morning. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.